The Quack presents The Losers Guild. I'm Dave Atkinson. This little homemade podcast is written and voiced by me, but I couldn't have made it without the support of the super pals of my Patreon, people like Darren and Melinda. Thank you. To become a member, visit patreon.com slash the underscore quack. Chapter 8. Borba passed the four-foot-long polished staff back and forth between her hands. Gran could see their grandmother relax the longer she held it, her movements becoming less stiff, more live. The older woman they'd known their entire life seemed to melt into whoever this person was. She began to spin the staff in fluid circles, her feet stepping gracefully along the floorboards of the hayloft. The staff is adventure, said Gran. Oh, it's seen more than one adventure in its time, said Borba, stepping around her grandchild. The staff in her hand had seemingly changed from a simple old stick to something Gran did not want to be on the receiving end of. Grandma, you're freaking me out a bit. Borba stopped spinning the staff and stood upright. She laughed. The old girl still got it, she said with a wide smile. I'm sorry. I got a bit carried away. She tapped the end of the staff against the ground and leaned against it. This thing brings out a different version of myself. I can see that, said Gran. Your mom and dad wouldn't approve of me giving you this, said Borba. But there's enough of your granny in you. I think you're ready. What do you mean? Borba stepped toward her grandchild and put her face near theirs. You've got adventure in your soul, Gran, she said. You can't help it. You're too much like me. The cloaked figure in the alley held up his blade, pointing it straight at Bink and Sister Cat. The man stood blocking their only exit. He lowered his hood, revealing a neat quaff of shoulder-length salt-and-pepper hair. Bink could just make out a short, light blue cape under his cloak. Even without his trademark oversized hat, Bink recognized this man. Holy stink is you, he blurted, the man's cutlass just inches from his face. Of course it's me, you tiny dope, said the man. Why else would I show you who I am? Sister Cat looked anxiously from Bink to the man with the sword in her face. Um, if it, like, helps any, I have no idea who you are she offered. The man's eyes narrowed. Nor I you, he said. Oh, jeez, said Bink, as if they were mingling at a party and he'd forgotten his manners. Sister Cat, this is Nigello Fantabulo. Nigello, this is Cat. You're kidding, she said. Fantabulo bowed, careful to keep his cutlass pointed at them. The one and only, he said. Don't you own like half the town, she said. Slightly less than half, he offered. Yeah, he's super rich, said Bink. I rode on this dude's ship, and he paid me, like, real well to play my concertina a couple times a day. And... Cat caught a glimpse of Bink moving his hands discreetly in a funny gesture. He whispered something under his breath. The little goblin was casting a spell. Yeah... So my old pal Nigello here was just gonna let us go. No questions asked. Fantabulo lowered his sword. 
His eyes glazed over slightly. If Cat were to guess his expression, she would say, slightly bored? My little friend, you either entirely overestimate yourself or you completely underestimate me, said Fantabulo. Either way, save your little charm spell for feeble-minded folks like the Royal Guard and get into my house before anyone spots us out here. You're not going to hurt us, said Sister Cat. I doubt it, said Fantabulo, sheathing his sword. Now get in the house. We need to talk about all these things. The imps, the bombs, everything. You know about, said Cat, in the house, hissed Fantabulo. Your old granny was a bit of a wild one once upon a time, said Borba, leaning against her staff. That's before I settled down, mind. It's been years since I did any real adventuring. Oh my God, said Gran, tell me more. Borba smiled wide. Oh, my child, there are so many stories, so many journeys. My little group of, yeah, I guess you'd call them friends, we raised a bit of hell in our time. Monsters, evil wizards, treks through jungles, high sea adventures, dungeons. She leaned in close. Dragons, she whispered. Dragons, repeated Gran. Borba nodded. Grandma? Why didn't you tell me any of this, said Gran. I would have killed to have known this stuff. I know you would have, she said, but your parents are not proud of my past. I doubt they even believe half of it, just the ramblings of an old lady. What about Grandpa, said Gran. Borba chuckled. Your grandfather is a lot of wonderful things, she said, but an adventurer he is not. I think that's why I love him. I was ready to settle down, and he was ready to listen to my silly stories. Borba stood up and held the staff in front of her. She sighed. But all that was a long time ago, so I'd like you to have this. Gran smiled. Okay, they said. They squinted their eyes. Why me? I heard about your little losers guild. Gran deflated. Oh, are people really calling us that? Borba laughed. Yes, they're calling you that, but they won't laugh at you if they're on the receiving end of this. She held up the staff. But it's just like a stick, said Gran. Borba raised her eyebrows. Just a stick, eh? She twirled the staff once in her right hand before grasping it solidly in both hands in front of her. Watch yourself. Borba took a step forward and vanished. Gran barely had time to react when their feet were swept out from beneath them by a sharp blow to the ankle. Oof! The halfling hit the ground with a thud, landing flat on their back. They found themselves staring up at the underside of the barn's roof. Borba leaned over them with a giant grin on her face. Just a stick, she said. Don't touch anything, said Fantabulo as he ushered Cat and Bink into his home. Cat looked around. The wood-framed house was beautiful on the outside, but it was nothing compared to the decor inside. The flagstone floor seemed to go on forever, from the entranceway to a large foyer decorated with pottery and art assembled from around the world. And you, said Fantabulo, eyeing Bink, don't steal anything. Bink looked around. Everything looked shiny and interesting. Everything looked expensive. 
He shoved his hands into his pockets. I was going to take offense, but okay. Have a seat in there. I'll be back in a minute with some nourishment. That is so kind of you, said Sister Cat. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, said Bink. I love nourishment. Cat and Bink sat on an oversized couch in the sitting room. A giant grandfather clock ticked and talked in the corner. Do you think we're in trouble? asked Cat. Oh, I don't know, said Bink. His little feet dangled over the edge of the couch. Probably. Do you think Fantabula thinks we're behind all this? said Cat. Oh, geez, maybe, said Bink. Oh, hey, uh, when he said he was going to bring nourishment, do you think he was just talking about, like, tea? Or do you think he's going to put out some sandwiches or something? We're possibly being accused of letting off two bombs in town, and you're concerned about breakfast? Hey, a goblin's got to eat, he said. Cat's mouth opened to say something, but closed again when she heard footsteps walking across the stone floor in the foyer. Someone's coming, she said. Sister Cat felt herself shrink as the footsteps came closer. This was exactly the sort of thing she was terrified would happen when Mother Vaella sent her out into the world. She'd stick her nose where it didn't belong and end up getting blamed for something she did not do. What if Fantabulo had called the city guard? What if, worse, he'd called Mother Vaella and she'd expressed her extreme disappointment in Cat? Tarnation! I sure am glad you two are okay, said a familiar voice. Sister Cat looked up and saw Chester Bucklebelt walk into the room carrying a tray packed with a pot of tea and pastries. Chester, she said. Chester set the tray on a low table and rushed to hug Sister Cat. When I heard what happened in my warehouse, I was so scared for y'all, he said. As Cat clung to the halfling, she felt Bink squirming between them. Me too, he said softly, melting into the hug like he was always part of it. You ran away so quickly from my warehouse, I feared the worst, said Chester. That's why I called Nigello. He released Sister Cat to discover Bink still clinging to his torso. Oh, sorry, said Bink, climbing down. It's okay, said Chester. Fantabulo strode into the room, his short cape flowing behind him. I saw your little handiwork in the warehouse, he said. He picked up a dainty bit of pastry from the tray and took a nibble. It was impressive. The mess, said Sister Cat. The explosion, he said. Which one of you did it? Cat and Bink looked at each other. Cat was still sure someone was going to get in trouble for all of this. It was... Oh yeah, that was me, said Bink, grabbing a large pastry and shoving half into his mouth. Fantabulo cocked an eyebrow. Magical, he said. Yep, said Bink, shoving the rest of the pastry into his mouth. So you're not just sloppy charm spells, he said. That's good. Nigello also found some little footprints, said Chester. I knew there was something spooky in there. I knew it. Oh, yes, said Sister Cat. I'm not sure what it was exactly, but it was some sort of, like, little devil, I think. Something evil. A little devil, repeated Fantabulo. Describe it. Little guy, said Bink through chews. Two wings, two arms, two legs. Pointy tail, kind of pinky purple and gray. An imp, said Fantabulo. I thought so. Did you find anything else before you blew him up? Sister Cat stared at Fantabulo. She didn't know this man outside of his reputation, 
A rich man of style who owned a good chunk of the town, she had the impression he was a snooty jerk who didn't care about anything more than his own reflection. Why should they trust him with any extra information? Oh yeah, we found a sock full of weird stuff, blurted Bink. Sister Cat sighed as Bink pulled the nasty old sock from his pocket. Bink clearly didn't share her reservations about this man. I thought Gran had the sock, she said. Yeah, but I snuck it from their pocket, said Bink. Sorry, old habit. Anyway, that imp guy had this. Weird stuff. Bink grabbed the sock by the toe and gave it a good shake. A shower of dried bird poop covered the ornate rug in the sitting room. The wood box fell with a thump on the ground. Only Cat noticed Bink holding the sock so the creepy glass eye wouldn't fall out. If Fantabula was bothered by the messy carpet, his face didn't betray it. He knelt low, picking up the wooden box. Hello, what's this, he said. It's locked, said Cat. Not for long it won't be, he said. Fantabulo crossed the room and opened a drawer on a polished oak desk. He returned with a soft fold of leather, from which he withdrew a set of long, thin tools. Give me a minute, he said, as he selected two tools and inserted them carefully into the lock. This doesn't look terribly complicated. He fiddled for a moment before there was a sharp snapping sound. Ah, drat, he said, withdrawing one of the tools. I broke it. He picked up the box, closed an eye, and peered into the lock. I missed a pin. The old man's getting rusty. Fantabulo set down his broken pick and grabbed another from his kit. In a moment, there was a soft click, and the lock opened. There we go, he said. Bink and Cat gathered close to see what was inside. A bit of sawdust that had been packed inside fell to the floor. Interesting, said Fantabulo. He brushed the sawdust aside to reveal a lopsided lump of gray pottery about the size of a walnut. Fantabulo whistled. Well, I'll be, he said. He gingerly removed the lump from the box and held it up. What is it? asked Cat. Fantabulo carefully handed it to her. She felt its weight in her hands. It wasn't solid clay, but it was heavier than it looked. Careful with that, said Fantabulo. Drop it, and you could blow the side of my house clean off. Nasty little bomb, that one. Bam! Gran found himself lying on their back on the floor, again, staring at the ceiling. That was better, said Borba, standing over them. You're quick on your feet, but next time, use the staff's magic to teleport behind me. She reached down to help Gran get up. I tried, Granny, they said. I just can't get the stupid thing to work. Be patient, she said. Magic weapons can be kind of tricky at first. You really need to spend some time with it to get to know each other. It's not a person, Granny, they said. It's a stick. Borba looked at Gran. Well, then I think we've found the problem, she said. Treat it like it's just a stick and it will behave like a stick. Respect it, listen to it, attune to it, and it will... Borba stopped talking. It'll do what, Granny? said Gran. Quiet, she said. She slipped her hand into the pocket of her tunic and withdrew a small stone. It was a stone Gran had seen a million times. Granny always kept it in her pocket. It was smooth like a river stone with some funny markings carved into the top. If any of the toadstool grandkids asked, she always said it was her lucky rock. 
Borba held the stone in her hand and looked off into space as if she was listening to something. After a moment, she spoke directly into it. It's good to hear your voice again, you dirty thief, she said finally. I'll send them right away. Borba slipped the stone into her pocket and looked at Gran. I think your adventure's about to begin, she said. I sure hope you don't get seasick. The Losers Guild is written and produced by me, Dave Atkinson. You can find more, including links to my socials, newsletter, and Patreon at daveatkinson.ca. And if you're enjoying The Losers Guild so far, please review it on your favorite podcasting app. And tell your friends. Share it on your socials. Every little bit helps. Thanks for listening. See you next week.